Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Days of Roar, a Detroit Tigers podcast brought to you by the Detroit Free Press. My name is Mark Gorosh. I am here with Free Press beat writer Evan Petzold, and welcome to Days of Roar 2024. How you doing today, Ev? I just survived last night. Yeah, Happy New Year to everybody. Um, now, nah, man, New Year's Eve into New Year's Day wasn't very crazy for me, actually. Did a little family get-together with Savannah's um, extended family and her cousin is actually on crutches she just had hip surgery and so she and she just turned 21 this year too so she was all bummed out because she wasn't going to go anywhere so we ended up taking her out I and mean, it was kind of just the three of us and we did a dinner and then we ended up taking her out into downtown rochester where she wanted to go where some of her friends were and um i don't know i guess you could say we were like the chaperones for the night um just kind of watching her and making sure that she was staying safe um so yeah that was kind of my night like i was planning just to come back and like hang out on the couch and just chill with savannah we're pretty much homebodies. We don't really go out a ton. Um, but it was fun to kind of, I don't know, be a chaperone for the first time ever. Um, that was kind of cool and, and a little bit of fun to, you know, see a cousin have a have a ton of fun, even though she was on crutches. It was fun to to make her a night special. Do you, do you feel old when you watch 21-year-olds party now that, uh, you know, you're a few years, few years older than that? Yeah, I'm not about that scene anymore. Like, I've gone up back up to central Michigan to visit my brother. He goes there now and... Anytime I go up there, I just feel super out of place now. Like, it's just not the same. And I'm sure people look at me and they're like, okay, you, you still look like you're a college kid. But me internally, I know I'm 25. Savannah knows she's 27. And and it just doesn't really feel the same anymore. So we're, we're not really big, like, you know, go out type people. I mean, we like to stay in. We like to watch movies. We like to go on walks and do that kind of stuff. But um, I don't know. Again, it was fun to play chaperone. Uh, I, I get it, you know. When I go up to East Lansing, uh, there's still many places I like to visit. My most favorite house was torn down five years after <laughs> I graduated. It's now the uh, Evans Scholar Housing. It was a great house, though. Um, but I get it. I, 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 you will go through many more of these metamorphoses in your lifetime and uh but you will never forget the good times my man never forget the good times so we uh are going to dispense this week with uh the big two because we have other things to talk about and really <laughs> it's not a lot that went on in the last week uh that we haven't already covered so we decided that we wanted to try to look back a little bit on uh 2023 we're going to have uh, some fun with a different format. Both of us will reveal our top five moments from the 2023 season and maybe a couple more than five. Uh, give you a top five predictions for the 2024 season and three resolutions for the Tigers in 2024. 
And uh, by resolutions for the Tigers, we're talking about things we think they need to do differently in 2024. So uh, with no more further ado, I also want to give a special shout out to a special person who was really an unbelievably integral individual at making Days of Roar you know, become a, a legit podcast in the Tiger Sphere this year. We couldn't have done it without them. So both Evan and I want to give a shout out to our producer, Robin Chan. And to say that Robin Chan is the man would not be actually giving him enough accolades, but we couldn't do this without him. He makes us sound good every week and we love him and we, we just want to thank him. Yeah, we have to thank Robin Chan. I mean, this is a guy who came to the Free Press, I believe, in October of 2022, and he has been lights out um, ever since coming on board. He's been awesome for Days of Roar. He, he's a guy where little inside Days of Roar for you. After every podcast, I text Mark and I say, Mark, I think I sounded terrible. Mark says, Evan, don't don't worry. Robin will take care of us. And every time Robin delivers. So thank you, Robin, for making Days of Roar awesome in 2023. We cannot wait to keep it going with you in 2024. This is going to be awesome. We've got big things ahead. We're going to keep those close to the vest for now. But I'm really happy with where we're going. And, and all of that, all of that goes back to Robin, man. I mean, you, you've taken care of us and we appreciate you. He, he is the man. He has plans for us. We have been reluctant to... Uh, get into the 2024 version of podcasting and social media. Uh, but you may see a few things this year that we'll do. And heck, maybe we'll even try to do an event downtown if the team's doing well and see if we can have some fun with it. We bounced around a few other ideas. But you'll be seeing uh, Evan Mark on the scene a little bit. Let's hope for a fun season and we'll we'll see what's up. All right. That being said, Let's kind of get into it. Ev wrote a very, very detailed, long, entertaining piece about 50 events that happened in the 2023 Tiger season. And he said, hey, Mark, why don't you uh, add a few to that? And I said, Ev, look, to be really honest with you, uh, I'm going to have to really do some research to even add five. So <laughs> thank you. <laughs> because Evan Petzold is Easily the best researcher that I know. Uh, the idea that he did 50 is just rock star caliber. So uh, that being said, well, let's at least try to go back and see if we can't both discuss uh, some things that we think that were important to the Tiger sphere, important to the Tigers in 2023. I'm not going to hold you to a specific order of importance, but let's just try to knock out five or six events that each of us thought were important. You go first. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I kind of, again, I listed 50 of them, right? So I went back and I just read through my story and I said, okay, what are the top five that stand out to me? I went Miguel Cabrera's final game as number one, AJ Hinch bench benching Javier Baez in Toronto as number two, the trade deadline situation as number three, um, with the Eduardo Rodriguez, you know, nixing that trade to the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, number four was uh, August 16th. It was Tigers against Twins. And I put that as big three emerges in my story where we saw Riley Green, Kerry Carpenter, and Spencer Torkelson all click in the same game. They combined for four home runs. It was, it was really impressive. And all those guys were on fire at that point in the season. I mean, that was cool to see. And then number five 
was three pitchers led by Matt Manning combining for a no-hitter. So those are the top five that I picked out. Okay. Before we discuss those, I'll uh, I'll try to knock mine out. I don't think there's any question. Uh, nothing to discuss. Biggest moment of the year, Miggy Day. Uh, and there were a bunch of Miggy things that were also a lot of fun. He had a lot of great games, did a lot of fun stuff. But that last but game. Yeah, that last game is something I think we'll all always remember. It has to be at the top of the list. My number two thing uh, has to be something that's almost uh, – it's Tiger-related, but it's not really Tiger-related. Look, I've been going to baseball games since uh, 1962, and I got to tell you, I've been to a lot, a lot of great baseball games in my lifetime. Showtime. I say it, I say it behind the plate. With uh, my buddy Tiger Mike and uh, Ben, and I watched Shohei Otani throw a one hitter. Uh, he went in, changed his shirt, came back out, and hit a homer's first time up in the second game. And I've seen a lot of great things in my lifetime from baseball players, but I have never. I went to the 1971 All Star game. I saw seven homers. I saw, I think, 11 Hall of Famers. I've been to Tiger playoff games and World Series games. I've seen Maglio hit a homer to, you know, clinch a playoff series. I have never seen anything like Shohei Otani did that day. And uh, I will probably never see anything like it again. So that's number two for me. Uh, Number three was Riley Green's diving catch where he ended up getting TJ on September 20th. Uh, not a pleasant memory. Number four uh, was A.J. Hinch getting extended on December 4th because it told me the Tigers are serious about becoming a good baseball team for a long time. And uh, number five would be the home run Parker Meadows hit day one on August 25th. Announced himself to the major leagues and the Tiger fandom and hopefully uh, a precursor of things to come. So those are my five. Pretty good list we got there. I think when I really look back and um, just to touch on, you know, the one that really jumps out to me, and I maybe want to put this to bed for the final time with Eduardo Rodriguez now that he's moved on. Um, I mean, I really do think that that was a really pivotal moment for the Tigers this past season where they had a chance to add some prospects. And I understand that the Tigers can only do so much. And, and a lot of that was in Eduardo Rodriguez's hands because he did have the, the no-trade clause. I've pondered on this a lot, and I haven't talked about this much, but I do want to ask you something, Mark, and I don't want to take too long to talk about this. I think it's it, it needs to be put in the past, and it needs to be put to rest, but let's say the Tigers had a chance to trade with the Orioles or the Reds, who both needed starting pitching. What if I told you the Tigers would have had to have given up prospects or cash to offset the bad contract of Rodriguez? Remember, teams were wary of the opt-out clause. They did not like the idea of trading for Rodriguez because he could just opt out at the end of the year. It's hard to place the value on that type of player. There's injury risk, all those kind of things. It's a really big deal. The Dodgers were ready to take that on before Gene Motto, Eduardo Rodriguez agent, stepped in with financial demands from the Dodgers. So I know it's a what-if game at this point, and and it, it really doesn't matter. But as we reflect back on 2023, if plan B was trading Erod to the Reds of the Orioles and eating some of the contract and giving up a prospect, do you make that deal? And I'm not sure you do. Well, it's just an interesting thought. No, it's not even interesting. It's just nonsense to me because plenty plenty of 
you know, rental players of substance are traded at the deadline every year. Nobody gives up and adds a prospect and money to the deal when they're giving up a short-term player. Now, if you're getting back a great prospect by doing that, then I'd want to know the particulars of the deal. Right. But I'm not even going to entertain that idea. And, you know, I know that our producers in Gannett doesn't like it when I swear, but we've gone over this many, many times. There's only one person to blame for what on at the trade deadline. Scott Harris that deal. He did it because he didn't prepare. He didn't understand the downside of the consequence of what he was dealing with. He waited too long. He tried to put out ultimatums that were laughed at. And if he really had to do it all over again, and I bet you if he had to do it all over again in 2024, he would have figured out any type of deal that was an offset that would have gotten him any even small prospect to a team that wasn't on the trade list because then all of a sudden the ball's in Erod and his agents, you know, court, and they have to decide. They got to decide are they going to go somewhere they don't want to go or are they going to go to the Dodgers? So I don't want to rehash this again. It is what it is. It was a mistake by management. So that's my answer. For sure. Hey, look, another thing that I didn't put on my top five moments to look back on was, um, and I kind of regret it now as we had mentioned it. Now, it wasn't my top 50, but man, the way that Tarek Skubal came out and pitched, we cannot forget about that. And that's something that is easily overlooked because, you know what, he only made 15 starts. I get it. But this is a guy who came back from flexor tendon surgery and showed that Tigers don't need Erod. They've, they've got an elite ace caliber lefty. And I have some more things to say about um, you know Tarek Skubal later, but Man, how about the way that he came back and the way that he pitched? And I just think, you know, only great things are ahead for him. He was as dominant as dominant can get down the stretch for the Tigers. I think when you look at the 2023 season, the single most important development in a player was Tarek Skubal going from, I'm pretty good and I could be great to, I am great. Let's just pray I stay healthy. So, you know, and that, that is a big, big jump. 3.7 more in a half a season uh, would have been the Cy Young winner if he would have pitched an entire season like that. So you need a number one. You got a number one. Cross your fingers. He stays healthy. So, um, all right, let's talk about a few other things. Been fun to look back on 2023. 77 wins. Won 19 of the last 29 games. Uh, was a really good way to finish. I don't want to bring up that it reminds me a lot of 2021 and then you get 2022, but uh, I'll tell you what. We're going to take an early break, and when we come back, we're going to discuss 2024. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's talk a little bit about 2024. Um, want to kind of get into a little bit about some predictions. 
Uh, I'm curious if you have a list of different things, you know, three, five, seven, 13. Tell me some different things you are expecting for the 2024 season in general, both in team and uh, individual performance. You go, we can either take turns and discuss each one, or we can just rattle off uh, five or six and talk about them all. Yeah, well, we'll see how this goes. I mean, look, I came up with 50 moments to reflect on the 2023 season. So I'm going to give them all on Days of Roar, top 50 predictions for 2024. No, I'm kidding. I got five predictions. I'm not going to do 50 predictions. Um, That's crazy. So look, I'm going to start off with number one on my list, which is Javier Baez stays bad. And by bad, I mean really bad. Look, I think this is a guy in the 2022-2023 seasons. He hit 230 with 26 home runs and a 634 OPS across 280 games, all with the Tigers. His 75 WRC plus ranked 109th among 110 qualified hitters over the past two seasons, only ahead of Cleveland Guardians outfielder Miles Straw. He hit 177 against four-seam fastballs last season, and he hit 195 against four-seam fastballs inside the strike zone last season. It really comes down to him taking care of his body as he's getting older. And at this point, based on everything that I've seen, I don't have enough evidence to believe in the player at this point. And one of my other predictions is that Spencer Torkelson is going to hit over 250 and he's going to repeat with 30 plus home runs. And that's because I believe in the player. I don't believe in Javier Baez, though, yet. I don't have enough evidence. I haven't seen enough. He hasn't made the adjustments yet. We saw Torkelson go through struggles in year one, come back in year two, pound 30 homers and and improve overall, right? I haven't seen Javier Baez make real adjustments yet, so I can't buy into that. And that's a little bit concerning, right? Because again, this is a guy who's making a ton of money. I mean, Javier Baez is making $25 million in 2024, $25 million in 2025, and then $24 million in the 2026 and the 2027 seasons. And you're not going to have him be at his best. That's a problem. Again, he is the biggest X factor in all of this. If Javier Baez is back to being Javier Baez, He's as good as it gets. Mark, I want to get your take on that. I also believe another prediction I have here is Colt Keith gets hot early and stays hot. I think he's an elite player with MVP upside. I also think Riley Green suffers another lower body injury. It's another prediction on my list. And then the last prediction is Tarek Skubal finishes top three in AL Cy Young voting. I threw a lot at you, but what do you think about Javi Baez and Spencer Torkelson before we dig into your predictions? Well, it's funny that you bring up these five things because four of those five things in one way, shape, or form were on my list. And Great to minds. nobody who listens to Days of Roar, they will not be shocked by the fact that many of them I do not agree with. Okay? And just for the record, uh, they, Ev and I did not discuss each other's uh, predictions before we did this which makes it only 10,000 times better. So let's first talk about Javi Baez. On Mark Gorosh's list of five, number five, Javi Baez, 23 homers, three-plus war in a bounce-back season as he does enough work in the offseason to tweak his swing and be on time for the fastball. And why should that happen? Well, look. The last two years, not on time for the fastball. 2021, 14 homers, 267 average, on time for the fastball. 2020, 
253 on time for the fastball. Javi Baez has made a career out of being on time for the fastball. And when you start seeing your career swirl <laughs> like flood water down the drain in the street, before it's over, if you're any kind of player, and we're talking about a guy that uh, has performed big time in World Series before, who's been a six-war player, I don't think he's given up too easy. So we'll see if Richard Chang can uh, help Javi be on time. I got a feeling he will, and I think once he does, uh, there'll be some damage being look. Done. We'll hey look. We'll see if he ends up going to to that specific hitting coach. I know there was talk about him going to see Judge's guy. We'll see if that actually ends up happening. But I, I just don't have enough proof to see that he's going to actually make a change, right? Like he was on time of the on time for the fastball earlier in his career because he was naturally on time for the fastball. That's just who he was as a hitter. He didn't have to prepare himself to be on time. He didn't have to get his body in shape to be on time. He was naturally on time all the time. That's who he was. He hit mistakes. He hit fastballs. He hit pitches outside of the zone. He crushed pitches in the heart of the plate like nobody else. He was the guy who did a ton of damage because he was on time. You're spot on. But this year, he has to get in the weight room. He has to fix some things with his swing. There's no doubt about either of those things. And he hasn't had to do that to this point in his career. He relied on pure athleticism, natural talent. Now he actually has to make those changes. I want to see those first. Is he a guy that can do it? Yes, a thousand percent. Like he can. Yes. Like the, the talent is there. He has, again, very, very, very good eye contact in the way in which he can go out and chase the ball anywhere and make damage. Yes, he has the chase problem. We understand that. But he's got hand-eye coordination. He knows how to hit a pitch. Can he get his body right? That's the biggest unknown. So, so we'll see. But what do you think about Torkelson? I think Torkelson will continue to grow from where he is. I think, you know, to expect him to hit that many more homers than he hit last year. I'm fine if he hits 30 to 35. So we like agree to, there. We agree right. there. Torkelson will right. will improve. I, I think he'll be 30 and 100. I think he'll raise his batting average over 250. Uh, I think he'll get his OPS plus or his WRC plus uh, to between 115 and 125. And uh, hopefully he'll learn how to feel the ground ball to his right. That would be nice. Uh and, but I think he'll continue to make progress as a player. I think he's a smart player. I think he learned a lot from 2023. I think he's found a way how to leverage his skills. And I think he'll only build upon it. So, and lastly, let's address Cole Keith. He was also on my list. And my answer was pure and simple. I'm a huge Cole Keith stan. I think he's a very unique hitter. I think he will have. Some transition problems with spin because everybody does because you never see the quality of spin in the minor leagues that you do in the major leagues and they find a few hitting holes. But I also think Cole Keith just absolutely brutalizes mistakes. I think he'll be the AL Rookie of the Year. That's my big, big time prediction for 2024 Cole Keith AL Rookie of the Year. All right, Mark, okay. that's that's kind of crazy because I wasn't ready to go there. I did mention MVP upside. I'm kind of talking long-term there. I did mention gets hot early and stays hot as one of my predictions, but I want to run you through a couple of things that I think is interesting and, and probably backs up the AL Rookie of the Year conversation that maybe we ought to start having now that it's 2024. Last year, 90.4 mile-per-hour exit velocity, 10.4% walk rate, 21% strikeout rate, 24.5% chase rate, 
Now, he does a really good job of laying off spin. I think that's actually really impressive. He did a good job of showing that. He actually has a problem chasing change-ups. And he saw more change-ups as he went to AAA just because the game planning is a little bit better. I will be interested to see how he adjusts to that and how pitchers pitch him once he gets into the big leagues. But this is a guy who makes a ton of contact. 75% contact rate, 83.2% in-zone contact rate. He's ready to make the opening day roster. This offseason, he's actually working with a physical therapist guy for full body control. It's not just for the shoulder. It's to be in control of his entire body. He wants to get those quick twitch movements where he needs them to be. We know the guy can do a ton of damage. Now it's about can he keep his body healthy? Can he stay on the field? Can he play defense at a high level in the infield You know, for a long duration of his career? He's planning to have a very long big league career, and he doesn't want to be resorted to DH-only type player because of his body. So he's trying to get it right get himself ready. He's laying off the heavy weights. He's not doing a ton of like heavy weightlifting because he already has accomplished that. You go look at him. I mean, the guy's built like a freaking brick. Um, so now he wants more body control. I think that's going to bode well for him. I'm glad to know that we're both really, really high on him. Um, we'll see how it goes. I, I think he's a, a lock to make the opening day roster. I think he gets the Riley Green treatment as an everyday type player, playing second base, um, batting against righties and lefties. And I think he could very quickly move to the middle of the order. So, yeah, I mean, we don't agree on Javier Baez, but it seems like we agree on on Torkelson and Colt Keith. I know I had Riley Green suffering another lower body injury and Scooble finishing top three in AL Cy Young voting. Where do you stand on those things? Well, as far as Riley goes, I think he's going to somehow find a way how to play 135, 140 games. He has to. And if that happens, I think, uh, you know, Discussing things in the way you and I discuss things, and I'll try to translate it into basics. But I think it'll be a 130 WRC plus, which is you know probably top 30 in baseball if you're a 130 WRC plus or OPS plus, either one. Kind of translates into like a 305, 365, 495 type of slash line. Looking at a 25 homer, 90 RBI type of season, uh, probably score 100 runs. So that's what they need from him. It's probably a four and a half war year if he does that. And, uh, you know, I'm happy to put this on paper, but Mark Gorosh being optimistic uh, doesn't happen too often. So the fact that I have both with Cole Keith and Riley Green gone on record as having pretty high expectations in a positive way, I'm sure next October – uh, everybody will throw this up in my face when it doesn't happen. <laughs> hey, I'm worried though, Mark. I'm really worried, right? Like this is a guy who has suffered three injuries in the past two seasons. He had the right foot, uh, right foot fracture in April of 2022, left fibula stress reaction in May, 2023, and then the right elbow sprain in September of 2023. Two of those injuries, the right foot fracture and the right elbow sprain required surgery. Obviously he's recovering right now, but it, it's the left fibula stress reaction that he had. That one worries me. That one worries me more than anything because that's the ground and pound. That's the day-to-day of being on your feet. Those are things that, and I'm not a doctor, so I don't know how those things heal or how those things can get better. Can a stress reaction turn into a stress fracture? I'm sure it can down the road at some point. Like, is that a concern? Maybe. Like, I don't know how those things heal because I'm not a doctor, but um, that that's one that does worry me a little bit. And I know they're going to want to try to keep him off his feet, use him in the DH. You know, they move him to the corner because I think that can help him stay healthy. Um, a little bit more now that Parker Meadows is playing center field. But I just I just wonder and I worry because this is a guy who, if he plays 162, I think he's the best player on the roster if he plays 162. I, I don't think that's even 
a question. Thank you. So. But I but I worry that but I worry that that's not even the case. And, and is 130 games possible? I, I hope so. But then you're 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 obviously assuming that he avoids an IL stint at that point. And I just again I got to see it. I got to see it before I believe it. I'm not one of those guys who likes to always believe things before I see, especially when you know there is injury history. Well, let, let's talk about something that I think Detroit sports fans will understand. Look, Kate Cunningham had a stress fracture in his tibula last year that uh, made him lose the entire season, tried to play through it. And I don't think we're saying anything out of school when we're discussing a guy that's running up and down a basketball floor and running and jumping and practicing every day. That's even substantially more stress for a stress reaction problem than playing baseball would be. I mean, look, striding into a ball all the time, it, there's a lot of force when you're swinging a baseball bat, but it, and you might swing 50 to 80 times a day because you're taking batting practice, you're taking dry swings, you're taking, taking soft toss, or you're, you're swinging the bat a lot and you're running around in the outfield, but you're not a hooper. So, you know, the answer is if it happens again, I would likely think that he's going to, get some type of operation similar to what Cade had and put an end to it. Uh, I think the broken foot he had was just bad luck. He just fouled the ball off his foot. It can happen. Um, I think the elbow, that was not good. Uh, so I think he's going to have to modify his game a little bit. He's going to have to try to be a little more cautious, and we're going to have to see uh, what happens with that stuff. But <laughs> You know, I, I think that experience is a good teacher, and I'm, I'm hoping he's learned a few things to dial a tiny bit in his game back, I'll try to get him more rest. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, we'll see what ends up happening and in, in kind of how he goes about it. But I know this is a big offseason for him. I mean, this is somebody who, um, you know, is going to have to get his body right. He's going to have to come in ready to go and prepared. Um, I mean, Scott Harris mentioned it back at the winter meetings when he was talking about green and mentioned that, I think this was December 5th. He said, Hey, he's starting to run in the next couple of weeks, which is a good sign. They want him to come in camp and being in really good shape. They want him to add some strength to his frame. They hope that'll help insulate him against future injuries. Um, but also too, like the tigers know that they have to do their part as well, taking the load off of his body with the DH spot available. So we'll see what happens there. Another guy who has some injury risk and in, in, in some injury concern, um, who I'm not as worried about is Tarek Skubal, and I mentioned in one of my predictions was that he finishes top three in AL Cy Young voting. Mark, we both talked over and over and over again that Tarek Skubal is a Cy Young candidate for 2024, probably the most dark horse candidate at this point, just because you know not many people know about him um, nationally, right, from the standpoint of, hey, this guy only threw you know, 15 starts last year. Now he's coming back for a full season. No one's really seen a full season of Tarek Skubal unleashed, no restrictions, um, you know, kid gloves off kind of a thing. So Tarek Skubal, top three AL Cy Young voting. Do you think that's possible? I mean, look, Garrett Cole, 2.63 ERA in 209 innings. Sonny Gray, 2.79 ERA in 184 innings. Kevin Gausman, 3.16 ERA in 185 innings. Those were the top three in 2023 for AL Cy Young voting. Can Tarek Skubal put up a Garrett Cole, Sonny Gray, Kevin Gausman type season in 2024. I say yes. How about you? I don't think there's any question you can do it if he's healthy. Period. End of story. I, you know, that that is the same questions we ask about Riley Green or the same questions we're asking about Tarek Skubal. 
And I rarely go to the well on this, but what I am thinking is it's getting time for some texts from Evan Petzl to Riley Green and Terry Google to see how the off season's going and to try to get a little inside action. Cause I know you like to check in with players during the off season, see if they're adding something new. It, let's talk about Tarek Skubal. There is no pitcher on this staff that year to year is more aggressive about trying to add, subtract, and investigate in, in the offseason, especially, you know, he's got some history going to driveline. He he really worked hard on his changeup, I think, a couple of years ago that he's learned how to refine. I, I'm curious what Derek Skubel's working on this year. But you know what, he, Mark? Mark, but is there is there a world in which maybe he doesn't need to do anything? I mean, look, I understand never. that there's a guy, but I don't know. Nah. I kind of disagree. I think there are little tweaks that you can make, but in terms of really making a big change, I'm not so sure about that. This is a guy who dumped his changeup to develop a splitter at driveline, and the splitter ended up being crap, and he threw it away, and it never ended up working out. But this is a dude who had a, a 2.8 ERA last year in 15 starts. Look at what he did down the stretch in September with a – 0.9 ERA, four walks, 43 strikeouts, 30 innings, and five starts in September. A- AL pitcher of the month. Like I think you just keep doing what you're doing. I, I don't really know what there is to to work on other than coming to camp ready to go, about, be arm healthy, and, and ready to shove. How about working on arm health? How about working with a well, physical therapist that, yes. on your body? Oh, well, yes, like, yes, how about, yes. I mean, yes. No, that can be uh, a thing, there, but in terms of tweaking always, or making changes, I don't think he needs to make any specific changes to his pitches or his shapes. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Mm, I don't listen. I think that the only person that can answer that question is Tarek Skubal. Well, we better find out. So I'll, uh, I, I also am very curious to what Riley thinks that, you know, about trying to maintain health for himself. I mean, does he need orthotics in his shoes? Does he need to diffuse stress differently, you know, in the way he runs? What's he doing, you know, as far as, Anything about his hitting, you know, he he went through an evolution last year where he hit just an inordinate amount of ground balls. He didn't want to talk about it, but we all know that, you know, he went through a learning process and then he he learned how to tweak a swing a little bit, stay on time and uh, start to pull the ball. So, uh, you know, every player is always trying to get better and either one of those two guys is old enough to not continually be able to learn about themselves and to learn how to get better. I mean, uh, I think it's a process, man. No, I, I agree with you. And I guess kind of that leads me to my next question that I'm just curious about. I know this isn't really a prediction. I know we have, you know, some more things to get to, but are those two guys kind of like maybe the biggest X factors? Like I know we talk about Javier Baez and what he could be. And, you know, we talk about Spencer Torkelson, what he can be and Colt Keith coming up and getting an opportunity, but I mean, a, a healthy Tarek Skubal, who's really good, and a healthy Riley Green, who's really good. Is that not everything for the Tigers? That is your best pitcher and your best hitter. No question about it, hands down. How much of that ultimately determines what happens? And I'll do some digging. I, I've already put some feelers out there and, and stuff like that, so we'll see what we can come up with. Um, you know, We're trying over here, but when push comes to shove, how much does those two guys being healthy? Like that, that is That ultimately determines the Tigers' fate, does it not? Without doubt. I mean, yeah. look, we, yeah. we've never really delved into the idea of counting stats, which in yours and my world is, not, you know, batting average home runs and RBIs. 
in in the Petzl Gorosh world, county stats means war. And you know, if you want to make the playoffs, you got to get about 40 war. Because 40 war should translate into close to 50 wins. You start out with a 40 win palette is a guarantee. And then you got to figure out how you're going to generate the other 50 to get to the playoffs. And you need about 40 war to get 50 wins. So about 1.25 war per win. And in order to do that, typically, you know, usually it's, you know, it's not always 2020. We're not going to get exactly a perfect linear type of thing with that, but you need four or five players that are going to get four war or more. I mean, yeah, you can kind of skate on it a little bit if you have some guy get eight war like Ronald Acuna Jr. in a season, but it doesn't happen too often. Well, you know what? But Mark, Tarek Skubal is six plus war and Riley Green is probably four war right there. That's 10 war between those two players. Maybe more. I mean, Riley could be a five war player. Tarek could be a five war player. So yeah, between the two of them, there's there's 10 war. I mean, now you got to figure out who else is going to be a four war player. And I, you know, my curiosity would be who else you think could be a four war player on the Tigers? I'm curious what your answer is. I mean, you think about a guy like Cole Keith, and that's just the unknown of, hey, what can this guy be? So you allow yourself to go there. But Spencer Torkelson's not a four-war player. Nope. Even if he hits 250 with 30 bombs, I don't think he's a four-war player. Correct. So Javier Baez, he has the upside to be a four-war player, but we haven't seen it in Detroit. But we haven't seen it in Detroit. We have not seen it in Detroit, but he would be at the top of my list if you asked me somebody that could be a four-war player. Yeah. I agree. And you and you keep going up and down the list, though, and you look at potential lineup and what it looks like. I mean, Jake Rogers, if he can repeat what he did. Um, I'm, happy. And, and, I'm, I'm happy Jake and being Jakey being a two to two and a half war player. And that's and that's fine. That. And that's fine. And that's fine. But like, uh, again, where are you getting another four war player? Uh, I'm not sure. But what 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 do you think the max upside of Parker Meadows as a war player is? I don't know if he's going to be able to hit. That's the biggest question. I mean, the defense alone is going to take care of a lot of that, right? We're, we're going to see maybe two to three war just based off of defense. But if this guy's not going to be able to hit, then that, that's the biggest question mark with him. And, and that's, Correct. that's the unknown. Yep. How about uh, how about Kerry Bonds? Kerry Bonds Carpenter, three war player? I think so. Could I be. Think so. Could I think so. Be. But maybe three, uh, not four, Keith, not four. I, I, Right. I think asking Cole Keith to be a four-war player, a three-war player is a lot. Could he be a two-and-a-half-war player? Probably. We don't know if he can catch the baseball at second base yet. So how about how about pitching? Do we uh, have a four-war pitcher besides Tarek Skubal? Not enough innings to have a four-war pitcher, I don't think. Correct. So... You know, but yeah. I don't want to. But I don't want to sleep on Colt Keith. I don't. Again, I know it's asking a lot, but no, I'm not. Again, I'm not Gunner, Gunner, Gunner Henderson just had a six-four season. I know he plays a, a premium defensive position, and I'm not trying to make. I'm not trying to make that comparison, but I'm just saying. Look, I, I see a world in which Colt Keith hits 250 with 25 plus bombs, and that puts him in the the four-war conversation as yeah, long as his defense at second base is decent. So. Gunner Gunner Henderson, it doesn't get any sexier than that. Dude. Not comparing. Not comparing. Just saying. Hey, look. It could happen. But do I think that Cole Keith and Gunnar Henderson as hitters have a lot of similarities? Hell yeah. Mm -hmm. Hell yeah. As defenders? No. No. Not yet. But as hitters, absolutely. There's maybe a maybe maybe not ever defensively. But yeah, no, that's a big question, right? Is where, where are you getting that additional war from? And you know, you do well, have you're gonna from- have the answer is you're not gonna get it 
yet in 2024 from individual players collectively maybe yeah i mean they got a bunch of pitchers that can be over two war pitchers could Mize be over if Mize can be healthy can he be over a two war pitcher absolutely okay right. can Kenta be a two war pitcher for sure Heck, Matt Manning might be over a two-war pitcher if he could ever throw 130 innings. And isn't the same true for the offense, though? Yes. Well, I, I, I'm right. much more. I mean, I'm much more confident in their offense getting collective performance out of their entire team now than I than I have been at any point in time in many years. I mean, their weakest spot is. The biggest unknown they have is shortstop and third base. I think the other seven spots are. Are pretty decent. You feel pretty so, good. Yeah. I mean, and you know, if they get a little luck at third base, just platooning, and they decide not to continually play every day. A guy that hit nine home runs, I, 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 I think they got some upside there. You know, but we'll see. And Javi Baez is a wild card, and we both are at opposite ends of the spectrum. So there was one last one that I had coming to me about my predictions for twenty twenty four. It's a little out there. I've said it before. I want to hear your two cents about it. I think Jackson Job throws more than 60 innings in the Tiger rotation. So we're doing this segment that comes up next, and it's called Resolutions for the Tigers in 2024. And one of my resolutions for the Tigers was actually, and I guess I'll tell you this now, but it was let Jackson Job pitch in the big leagues. Um, it's things that we feel like the Tigers need to do in 2024. And that was one of them. So, I mean, to play off of what you said, I, first, I want to hear why you think that. Um, but I say, look, if he's ready, if he tears up double A Erie, push him to Toledo. If he tears up triple A Toledo, push him to Detroit. Hitting is reactionary. That's why we didn't see Colt Keith last season. But when pitchers are in control, they're in control and, and, and hitting is the reactionary part of the sport. So I think if hitters cannot touch Jackson Job as he continues to move up, and if the Tigers are contenders in the second half of the season, there's absolutely no reason to keep him away from the big league club. That's where I stand on this. His fastball got way better inside the strike zone, and it was way more effective. I mean, that, that fastball had issues, and it was getting hit for damage. He did a much better job of staying behind it, giving it more ride and more carry through the zone. We're seeing that fastball play up. And then the changeup is obviously insane. He has the nasty slider. Like, this dude can pitch. He's got the command locked in now. He has the fastball that works in the zone, which you know obviously is going to make the changeup play better and the slider play better. Like there, there's no reason why if he's good in double A, he doesn't get pushed to triple A. And if he's good in triple A, he doesn't get pushed to Detroit, especially if the Tigers are contenders. That's my take. What do you think? Well, I'll describe it to you this way. You know, I I, I think I'm a pretty good judge of pitching. And Jackson Chope throws. 94-97, and his fastball is probably his worst pitch. So <laughs> his his slider is not quite as great as everybody thought it, it would be, and he's still learning how to use it. He's got a he's changed the shape of it, but it's still pretty tremendous. It's over three thousand RPMs. A lot of that sequencing too. But really, what we learned last year. And he built upon that in the Arizona Fall League. And if you ever want to go Tigers minor league report and watch a few Jackson Job Arizona Fall League outings, uh, the changeup is just ridiculous now. And when you pair it and you pair it with the way that Chris Fetter can sequence, if there's even 
minute improvement in command, it, it's going to be just a very ugly nut. It, it's Tarek Skubal quality mixture. And it's going to be a really, really ugly night for people when they have to face this this three pitch mix. It's it's going to be nasty. So uh, you know, I've been saying this when other people were laughing at me that I thought he'd be up here by June first, and I still feel the same way. I, I I think in spring training there will be nothing talked more about than Jackson Job and just how inspiring as stuff is now so uh all right we're gonna take a break when we come back we're gonna talk about uh some resolutions for 2024 and we'll be back in 60. just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Ev. It's... uh. It's the season of resolutions. Everybody likes to make resolutions at the start of a new year. We got 2024, Days of Roar 2024. So give me some resolutions for 2024, both for the Tigers on a personal level, uh, for the world, whatever you want to do, dude. Yeah, no, I don't really have a ton of like New Year's resolutions for myself. I don't do that a ton. I mean, it was actually a lot of fun. Savannah and I, we were able to sit down and we created, um, essentially went back and like reconstructed our core values and things that we believe in and things that we kind of stand for um, as individuals. And that was a lot of fun um, to do that. And then kind of also you know, put out kind of like our mission statement. Like if we had a personal mission statement, um, that's what we would put out. And then also had some goals too, some personal goals that we were able to put down. But in terms of like resolutions, like, you know, go to the gym every day or go for a run every day or something like that. I'm not really into that. So I do have some personal goals set aside that are going to stay personal. Um, But I do have some resolutions for the Tigers. And by that, I mean, these are things that I need to see the Tigers do in 2024. My opinion on these things could change based on how things go, you know, as, as the year kind of rolls along. But I'm going to start with number one. It's a big one, and we're probably going to talk for a little bit about it. Number one, let's go Christopher Illich. Spend more than $250 million for a single player in free agency. And I am talking about Alex Bregman in 2024-25 free agency. And I'm talking him, talking about signing him at next year's winter meetings before the 2025 calendar year. It's crazy. Alex Bregman, I know. But I think the Tigers, if the opportunity presents itself, they got to go out there and go get Alex Bregman. And they got to pay up for him and make the big splash for the big player at the right time. I think the Tigers are a team that they're going to be either in the postseason in 2024 or they're going to be right on the verge of contention. I think if they get in and they need that extra push to say, hey, look, okay, we're not only going to be a playoff team and get knocked out early, we are going to be a playoff team and really go for it. Signing a player like Alex Bregman, it one sends that message, and it two makes your roster, you know, that much better. I think Alex Bregman's a great player. 
Um, there's a four war player for you. Um, you know, obviously who's been a five war player. He has been an eight war player, um, multi-time eight war player. So this is a guy who knows how to get it done. He can be a great player. He has ties to AJ Hinch with, with the Houston Astros um, as they were together when Bregman was in his career earlier on. And look, the Tigers have an opening at third base and Jace Young could be the answer. We might see, you know, him in 2024 towards the end of the season, especially if the Tigers are in contention. But how about Alex Bregman, Mark? Am I crazy? I mean, look, you can, if you're an Astros fan, you can blame, blame owner Jim Crane for not opening the checkbook, but they got to think about Bregman, Jose Altuve, Framber Valdez, Kyle Tucker. Maybe one of those guys gets an extension. I don't think it's going to be Bregman. So there's history with Hinch. Obviously, there's the opening at third base and the potential need. We got a long way to go until we get there. But Bregman would look real sexy in a Tigers uniform, would he not? I mean, that that would be pretty nice. Evan Petzl, this is such a ev bomb, tremendous prediction that I would give you a kiss if I was sitting next to you. That's how good it is. Uh, I can't think of a more Scott Harris type player. Than Alex Bregman, can you? No, and I he's mean, gonna be no, no, and he's gonna be a free agent. And again, there's ties to AJ. Everything that I've heard is they have a they have a good relationship. There's the opening at third base. He makes sense for Scott Harris. I mean, look, this this is Alex Bregman is a guy. Okay, he's played almost a thousand games in his career. He has walked 532 times. He has struck out 560 times. That's a Scott Harris player. On base think? percentage for on base percentage for his career, 373. You know, and the dude's going to hit you 20 home runs when he's healthy. He can play 150 plus games. He can lock down third base for you. But really, what it's going to come down to is going to come down to one, the Tigers needing Alex Bregman. Let's say that Jace Young doesn't work out, or even if he does, Tigers have a lot of guys that like seem like first basemen or they seem like DHs, right? We've talked about this before on the podcast. You know, when it's Carpenter, when it's Malloy, Colt Key, Torkelson, you know, I don't know, Jace Young might even be better, uh, you know, fitting it corner outfield spot or DH or, or whatever, right? So if you can go out and get an impact player like Alex Bregman, regardless of what your roster looks like, if you need a guy like that to put you over the top, I think you got to go do it. But again, it, it comes down to Christopher Illich, which is why the resolution for the Tigers was let's go Christopher Illich, spend more than $250 million for a single player in free agency. That's what it's going to well, come down to. All I can say is we just had a long talk about four war players. <laughs> Here you just threw out a great idea how to buy a four-war player uh, that's very much within the Scott Harris style of player in the pan- in the pantheon of walking, strike zone discipline, uh, you know, you name it, leader. Uh, you know, there's a hundred different ways to have this discussion and. Even if he costs thirty to thirty-five million dollars a year, um, I think they have more than enough payroll room. I think you're going to see some interesting things happen with RSNs this year, which is a topic for another time. Uh, their relationship with Bailey Sports will end in 2024. There'll be new things, new ways to make money. I think far greater than people are thinking. Uh, but more importantly, their payroll is going to be low. It's going to be you know, $100 million or less this year. So, I mean, thinking that the payroll can go up to $150, $160 million, especially if they're an 85-plus win team, uh, I think there's plenty of money to be made for everybody and, you know, still buy a free agent that's a 30 or $35 million a year player. 
So hey, I Mark, think as one, one more thing on Alex Bregman too, though, is there's been a lot of talk about him maybe being traded, you know, by the Astros this offseason. We've seen that thrown out there. I think there's no way that that happens. I'm sure you feel the same way. The Astros are going to try to run it back. Also, like if they were to trade him, I mean, Alex Bregman with Scott Boris, he doesn't really do the whole. I mean, again, look, Scott Boris has Juan Soto, and Juan Soto's not not signing the new contract with the Yankees. Is going to become a free agent, right? That that's pretty clear. That's how that's well, going down. So, unless they offer him enough money to not, right? Yeah. And that, it'd take a crazy amount to do that. But my point is, is I just don't see the Astros trading Bregman one, and even if they do, I don't see him signing a new deal before he becomes a free agent. That's just again, that's more of just my speculation. I, that's what I think. Correct. I don't see Bregman signing a new contract before he's a free agent either. So, and, uh, you know, I, Houston is, I, you know, they're getting near the end of their run. So uh, I'll be very interested to see how things work out with that. So, you know, as far as resolutions for the Tigers, I mean, my single biggest resolution for the Tigers is you got to play better in April. Come on, guys. How can you get taken seriously? When you, you're always playing from seven games below 500 within 12 games of the season starting. So for the Tigers, you want to show a little maturity. You want to show a little leverage of what you learned in 2023 and how you finished the year. Let's at least get off to a 500 start in the first 16 games. I'd take eight and eight and let's go from there. So, I mean, it takes a good 45 to 60 days to sort out your roster. They're going to have to figure out who their five-man rotation is. They got a lot of starting pitching depth. Um, so, I mean, that, that's step one. Resolution two for me, I'm going to go first on this. It's a little aggressive. It kind of byplays into what I talked about with Alex Lang last year, but I think Jason Foley is going to be the closer this year instead of Alex Lang. How's that for a New Year's resolution? It's interesting. I mean, look, Jason Foley throws strikes. Alex Lang does not. So ultimately, I think that's what it comes down to. And I think you've got to give the nod to Jason Foley in that situation. I don't like the fact that Foley doesn't have as much of the swing and missed up. Like we definitely did see an improvement from the slider. We saw an improvement from the changeup. I mean, obviously, he used the changeup, you know, primarily against left handed batters. And then he used the slider against right handed batters. And then he has the turbo sinker at 97. And we did see the whiff rate go up with both the slider and the changeup. So if he does take that next step and both of those pitches are able to be, let's say, in the 30% whiff rate range, and then obviously has the sinker for ground balls, like I do think that there is a world in which this guy is a lockdown closer for the Tigers moving forward. But ultimately, it comes down to the fact that like this guy is going to throw strikes. Alex Lang has trouble throwing strikes. So when opening day comes around and you know the Tigers have a lead, you know, going into the ninth inning and they need their guy to take the ball. Who is that guy going to be? I think it's going to be Jason Foley on day one. I agree with you there. How long does that last? Performance will only dictate. Um, I do think there is a world in which Alex Lang regains the closer role again. But for now, I think you're right. It has to be Foley. He, he's, he, he is the guy who has been around the longest in this bullpen, and he has shown improvement with both the slider and the changeup, which gives me reason to believe that those pitches can take a step forward once again in 2024, right? Uh, look, here's what I'll say to you. This is no knock on Alex Lang. Alex Lang, do not forget, was a really, really good leverage eighth inning reliever before he was a closer. Okay. So if he's not closing, it doesn't mean that he can't be a huge contributor. In addition, you now have, you know, if you have Andrew Chafin to also throw leverage, and I fully 
expect that the Tigers are expecting Shelby Miller to be in the mix to throw leverage innings. I'll believe it when I see it, but you know that that's the way they think about it. And look, Tyler Holton threw some leverage innings last year too. So, you know, you got four or five guys in the mix. And if you want to be good, we've we've said this before, and this is a resolution. A bullpen is not made on two pitchers. You need four or five to be good and to last a season. So uh, I know you got a couple more resolutions. What do you got? Yeah, I'll do one more. We got to get out of here. But acquire a player to replace Javier Baez. I know I talked about that already. And, um, you know, I've mentioned that. I really like Edwin Arroyo, you know, 20-year-old switch hitting shortstop from the Reds. Um, I, I, I liked uh, Matt Manning for Edwin Arroyo type of trade. Um, it doesn't seem like that's going to happen. The Tigers obviously really like their starting pitching depth. And I understand why, because pitching is important and they're going to need innings this year. But I do still think it's important to find somebody to help you replace Javier Baez if you need to. Because if the Tigers are for real and they're a playoff team in 2024, then they should be trying to win the World Series in 2025. Like You don't get to the playoffs and then say like, oh, you know, now we just got to try to get to the next round and then you know, we'll try again the, you know, the following year. No, like once you're in, you've got to shoot for the, the World Series. You've got to shoot to win it all. And can you really do that with a bad version of Javier Baez on the roster? I don't think so. So, look, if winning is the priority and if Baez continues to play as bad as he has, I don't think you can keep him on the roster in 2026. I understand that, you know, there are financial constraints. By the time you get to 2026, like, at some point, you got to make a move and make a choice. I don't know if Kevin McGonagall is going to be ready. I don't even know if he's going to play shortstop. I think he will be a big leaguer, but to what extent? I have no idea. Is it crazy to try to say, hey, look, Let's stockpile as many potential shortstop options, and realistically, that project to be MLB ready around 2025, 2026, 2027. You know, that's a few seasons to marinate in the minor leagues. You probably want more internal options than Kevin McGonigal in the long term, don't you? Is that something that maybe the Tigers should cross off the list in 2024? Can they wait on that to see what happens with Baez? I, I think maybe it goes both ways. I, I think they're going to have to address shortstop and whether Javi can address shortstop or, or whether someone else does. If he doesn't, they're going to have to address it either way. So, I mean, they have more than enough payroll room and there'll be other teams that are doing poorly that may have some contracts that they can take on, maybe not at full full face value. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I understand, you know, we're on the opposite ends of the spectrum about what we think are going to happen with Javi Baez. That's the fun of it. in. Uh, like I said, I, I think that this season he'll play well enough and be a big enough contributor and turn around enough. It will not be a distraction and will be, not be something they're really thinking about. So, you know, I'm, I'm on the other end of the spectrum about that than you. So, all right. I have one more resolution that I wanted to add before we get out of here, and then we're going to talk about victory totals for 2024. I would like to see one thing happen in in 2024 that has not happened yet with Scott Harris. I want to see him make a trade of substance, not a peripheral trade, not getting somebody out of here that he doesn't like anymore. They need to make a trade of substance. I don't care if it's for a shortstop, a starting pitcher, another bat, whatever it is, you got to make a trade that interjects an element of risk. You're going to give up something you don't really want to give up, and you're going to obtain something that has a pretty high ceiling that's going to make an impact. You got to do it. If you're afraid to be wrong, you're never going to be great. I say that all the time. 
And that's what I'd like to see after two years, Scott Harris finally do on behalf of his baseball team. Are you so, talking like Jazz Chisholm for Zach Gallon type of a deal? I'm talking anything that has a lot of upside to it that involves risk, that makes you nervous, that probably makes him want to take a Xanax after he does it. You know, but the point is, is that, you know, I watch other good, I watch the Dodgers and the Braves make trade after move, after move, after terrifying move. If I, you know, and, and they do multiple numbers of those things. Philly does it all the time. Teams that are good do it all the time. Heck well, I just, I just mentioned the one from the D-backs, right? I mean, that was, yeah. just I mean, that, 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 was, with that, that was just Marlins. a, but that was a prospect for prospect trade. Still risky though, two top prospects. Still risky. I would take that trade, that type of trade in a minute. Trade a pitcher for a shortstop all day, dude. All day. All right. But my point is, it takes a certain amount of risk tolerance and daring and willingness to make a mistake to make a trade like that. And you know, I would like to see Scott try to do something. That's in in that realm, and uh, I hope he do, whether he does it this winter or whether he does it at the trade deadline, either one's fine by me. All right, let's get to the last thing on our list. What do you think twenty twenty four is going to be from a victory total for the Detroit Tigers? Yeah, just you to remind yeah, just to remind people, the Tigers had seventy seven wins in twenty twenty one, sixty six wins in twenty twenty two, and seventy eight wins last season in twenty twenty three. How many form in 2024? I'm going to go six more wins, 84 as the total. I'm going to say we're going to have a really fun summer here in Detroit. Uh, part of my year 2024 Days of Roar optimism tour. I think that the Detroit Tigers are going to win 87 baseball games. Uh, they win 87. They're going to be playing a playoff game. Come October. So uh, let that marinate. Let's uh, gonna need some cooperation from healthy players and a general manager willing to probably make a deal at the deadline. But let's try to have some fun for a change uh, after seven years of tragically terrible baseball. All right. It's time to get out of here. I want to wish everybody a super happy new year, including Evan Petzold and Savannah Petzold. Uh, we're looking for great things in 2024. I'd like to thank uh, executive producer Kirk Crawford and Anjanette Delgado. I'd like to thank the free press editor, Nicole Avery Nichols, Robin Chan, my grandson, Braden Michael Gorash, and former partner, Evan Petzel. I'd like to say everybody for 2024, peace. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. 
Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.